Expert Insights is an ongoing medical education podcast. The Carl Division of Continuing Education designates that each episode of this enduring material is worth a maximum of 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. To collect credit, please click on the link and complete the episode's post-test. This podcast forum is brought to you to share expertise and insights within our integrated delivery system to help us improve the health of the people we serve and achieve world-class accessible care. This is Expert Insights. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. The National Institutes of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, part of NIH, says that more than 795,000 Americans have a stroke and almost 130,000 people die from stroke every year. In fact, stroke is the fourth leading cause of death in this country and the leading cause of serious long-term disabilities more so than any other disease. My guest today is Dr. Amrendra Miran Puri. He's the program lead, Stroke and Neurovascular Services at Carl Neuroscience Institute. Dr. Miran Puri, tell us about stroke. What are you seeing as far as incidence and awareness? Are providers educating their patients on stroke symptoms and prevention? Yeah, so stroke is, uh, like you mentioned, um, it's, a, it's a large number of patients that are affected per year in the United States alone. Nearly 800,000 people are, come into the emergency department with, um, uh, with stroke symptoms. <clears throat> and nearly uh, 100, over, a little over 100,000 people uh, can, be, uh, can actually die from uh, stroke complications. So the most important thing that we try to get out there in terms of stroke awareness is understanding the signs and symptoms of stroke. Um, one of the things that we have, uh, you know, for our general population and then also for our EMS providers, uh, the folks that are actually seeing these patients at home and picking them up, bringing them to the hospital, um, is an acronym called FAST. So that stands for um, F is for face. So if you see somebody having uh, drooping of one side of their face, uh, the A is for arm weakness. So if they have, uh, you know, one of their arms is not as strong as as the other. Uh, S is for speech difficulty. So if they uh, are having a hard time getting their words out or they're not understanding what you're saying or they're just repeating things um, or their words are just coming out uh, not very clearly, these can all be manifestations of speech difficulties. And so if you have any one of those signs or uh, more of than one of those, um, T, the last letter in the acronym, is uh, for time, time to call 911. And so we encourage patients to, you know, be seen immediately uh, with for medical attention and for workup to be done immediately. And we know for stroke patients, the number one predictor of good outcome is the time in which they are seen by a provider uh, and diagnosed with a stroke and then potentially being able to have a treatment rendered, uh, those are the patients that are going to have the best outcomes uh, at three months, which is typically how we measure success with stroke care is kind of that 90-day outcome. Who is at risk for stroke and does having one stroke put you at risk for another? So you would like providers to know that if their patient has had one stroke, that they need to be watched a little more closely or counseled a little bit more thoroughly. So the way I try to educate people about stroke is that it is a blood vessel issue, right? So it's a blood vessel issue 
in the neck and the brain. And so you've got your heart. Your heart is pumping blood to the brain. It's pumping blood to um, the heart itself. And then you've got uh, blood flow going down to your legs. Uh, you've got blood vessels that go to your uh, your abdomen. And so, you know, the, anywhere that you can develop uh, blockages in arteries that go to the brain, so uh, in the neck or in the brain, you can have stroke symptoms. Okay, and that, that represents about 80% of strokes that we see is where there's actually a blockage of a blood vessel. Um, and that blockage could be right there in that vessel in the neck uh, and or the brain, or it could be arising from a blockage elsewhere and it lands inside the brain. And so this will cause generally the, the types of symptoms that we talked about, the uh, face, arm, and speech difficulties. Uh, these represent the majority of strokes that are uh, in the front part of the brain. And then there are strokes that occur in the back of the brain, um, which are less uh, common, uh, but still very important to recognize uh, the symptoms of, and those can affect the um, area supplying the base of the brain uh, and the brainstem. And so patients can present with sudden onset of um, dizziness. Uh, sometimes it can be hard to sort that out versus uh, vertigo. Uh, they can have double vision. They can have difficulty walking. They can have you know, significant balance issues. And so th these can also be signs, symptoms of a stroke that's occurring in the back portion of the brain. And so these represent 80%. And these patients, we really want to identify them quickly to make sure that uh, it is a stroke, that there hasn't been any bleeding going on in the brain. Uh, and uh, if, if all of the checks uh, go properly, you can actually get these patients a medication called TPA. It's a clot-busting drug. And the nurse uh, will administer that drug through an IV, and um, it works quite effectively in dissolving the clot in a fair number of patients. Um, now, there are some patients that will not respond well to that clot-busting drug. And these are patients who probably represent about 20% of these uh, these strokes that we're talking about, of the 80% um, vessel-blocking type of strokes. And for those patients, um, they'll end up having a blockage of a bigger artery in the brain where the clot-busting drug that is given through an IV, by the time it actually gets to where that blockage is, it's not going to be effective in dissolving the clot. Uh, it seems to work better in clots that are a little further downstream in the brain. And so for these patients, um, we want to get imaging immediately of the pipes in the brain, and we want to look at how much of the brain has already potentially suffered a stroke because sometimes that has happened um, because these are very large strokes. And then there's going to be this halo of um, brain that is salvageable, uh, what we call a penumbra. And when we get all of these uh, images, which we're able to get within minutes in the emergency department, we're able to decide whether going up into the brain using small catheters and wires and stents through a leg artery and navigating very carefully up using contrast and x-ray, uh, where we can actually physically remove the clot in that large blood vessel. And, and if that uh, is done in a timely fashion, um, and the patient had good, and the, the imaging was supportive that there was actually a fair amount of brain that was salvageable, these patients do quite well uh, at 90 days. Um, 
compared to patients who are not offered that treatment. Um, so we now have these two ways of treating stroke, uh, you know, and it, it quite works quite effectively. Then the other side of stroke is the 20% of patients um, who have not a blockage of a blood vessel, but a blood vessel that's leaking in the brain. And that can be from high blood pressure. That can be from an aneurysm, which is a weak spot on a blood vessel wall that can leak. Uh, or it can be from something called an arteriovenous malformation. And um, these are the majority of cases that we will sometimes see. Uh, and these patients will present oftentimes with a severe headache. They'll present uh, maybe with some nausea, vomiting, uh, depressed level of consciousness. Because when you have a bleed in the brain, that's taking up space in the brain that uh, is not acceptable. The brain only has so much space uh, inside the skull. And when you start having bleeding there, it's taking up space that was supposed to be there just for the brain uh, and its content, normal content. And so if the pressure elevates in the brain suddenly from a brain bleed, the patient can be sleepy, they can have nausea, vomiting, uh, their blood pressure can be high, and those patients need to be evaluated immediately with uh, CT scans to look at um, ways to uh, stop the bleeding from getting worse and then identifying why the bleed happened and treating it uh, if it requires some type of a uh, procedure to shut down that blood vessel or repair that blood vessel. Speak a little bit about after the procedures, after the TPA. What is life like for the stroke victim and the, the patient and their families? And how can other providers be involved in that rehab and life after? Stroke care is a multidisciplinary approach. Um, it's uh, one of the finest examples, you know, of how providers from various um, specialties have to come together to take care of these patients. They're very dynamic, complex cases. Um, so invariably, you'll have uh, a neurologist. You'll have an ED doc, emergency department doctor. You'll have uh, a neurosurgeon. You might have an interventional radiologist. You'll have um, physical therapists, occupational therapists, swallow therapists. You'll have a pharmacist. You'll have a radiology technician who's doing all of these images that we need to get very quickly. You'll have a radiologist or a neuroradiologist interpreting these scans. You'll have, um, after the procedure, the patient has to be oftentimes placed in an ICU for a short uh, or long period of time. So you'll have intensivists taking care of these patients and respiratory therapists managing their ventilators in some cases. Um, and then some of these patients end up having to go to rehab for a period of time. So the outcomes are variable. Um, you know, uh, some patients, if they come in too late and there's a large stroke, unfortunately, there's not much that we can do to reverse the symptoms of the stroke. And in those patients, we're trying to prevent the secondary uh, brain injury that can happen from the bleed in the brain or the large stroke that has already happened because the blood vessel was um, occluded for a prolonged period of time. Um, and so those patients can have a very long, uh, very protracted course where they might end up in ICUs. Uh, in, uh, and then uh, rehab versus nursing home. The patients that we're able to get to in a timely fashion and have not had a significant neurological um, deterioration or injury from the stroke, 
and we're able to reverse the symptoms of the stroke, those patients can do quite well. Uh, and then they can oftentimes, uh, you know, they can go home and sometimes uh, we have to send them to rehab for a short period of time uh, to get them just a little bit stronger uh, before getting them back home. But it is variable. And uh, along the whole way of all those people that I just mentioned to you, I think the most important piece uh, is family. This oftentimes, you know, when I take, I tell stroke patients, family members, I always remind them that this is not a race. This is a marathon. You know, we do the acute interventions uh, to try to help uh, reverse the effects of the stroke or deal with the secondary complications that may come from the stroke already having happened. And so we rely on these family members to help us um, with their family members, uh, getting stronger every day and getting them through rehab, getting them back home so that they can be prepared when they when the patient ultimately hopefully gets home they're able to take care of their needs if uh, if that needs to be done. So family members play a big role, and we try to, um, every day when we see these patients, we try to help them understand what, what things are going to be like, what kinds of issues they may have because of the stroke. And in summary, doctor, if you would just wrap it up for us, tell other physicians what you'd like them to know about stroke awareness and working with their patients on prevention and symptom awareness. Stroke has a lot of common themes with heart disease. And, you know, oftentimes we'll see patients who are coming in with a stroke and they'll have heart issues, or um, sometimes patients with heart issues will come in with stroke symptoms. So there's a lot of overlap there because these are vascular conditions. And um, common, you know, uh, risk factors for stroke, uh, they, they, they're in common with heart disease. Um, so we want to make sure providers are thinking about that when they're taking care of, um, you know, if a primary care doctor is taking care of one of their patients who maybe had open heart surgery and they're in clinic now a few months later and they're seeing them in follow-up to really kind of think about signs and symptoms of TIAs, which are mini strokes and strokes, and, and thinking about, you know, what are potential risk factors, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Uh, diabetes management, obesity, smoking. These are the major risk factors so that if patients have these risk factors leading up to their heart condition, we want to be thinking about managing those risk factors uh, for primary care providers, how important that is because that will hopefully prevent uh, that patient from having uh, risk factors for having a stroke down the line. Thank you so much, doctor, for being with us today. It's really such important information for providers to hear and for their patients to hear. Thank you again for being with us. You're listening to Expert Insights with the Carl Foundation Hospital. For a listing of Carl providers and to view Carl-sponsored educational activities, please visit carlconnect.com. That's carlconnect.com. We hope this information gained will be applicable to your work and life. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for tuning in.